0: Welcome to the City Smack Podcast. I'm Chris Chavez.
1: And I'm David Melly.
0: On this week's show, we touch on the weekend of racing at the U.S. Indoor Track and Field Championships, the World Cross Country Championships out in Australia. We also saw a pair of world records fall at the hands of Ryan Krauser and Femke Bowl. We also discuss 100-meter world champion Fred Curley leaving Nike and signing with Asics. But first, Olipop is the proud presenting sponsor of the City of Smack podcast. I have been on a strawberry vanilla kick recently. This is the first flavor that I ever had of Olipop, and it's really grown on me. David, I see the nice liquor that you've got behind you. Have you tried your hand at some new Olipop cocktails or or what what what's on your mind to experiment with um over the next couple of days?
1: Uh let's just say that that I've been I've been recipe testing a little um and that uh you know it's the runner soda. It's all for you know helping you helping you in training and and staying healthy and hydrated. But if you want to recover with some Olipop and uh, kick back and relax. We might have to, uh, if there's enough popular demand, drop some cocktail recipes on on the city of social channels for your your Olipop mixology needs.
0: I have been enjoying people tagging us in their stories as they drink Olipop, tag drink Olipop. Tag Sidious Mag when you're out there enjoying it. Uh, Someone, I think, recently said that they ran a personal best, like, the day after, I think they had Olipop with their dinner. So, you know, the key to it, Olipop is the runner soda, and you could try it for yourself now it's, it's a prebiotic soda with only two to five grams of sugar. That's really good for your gut health. And it's delicious. Use code city is 25 for 25% off non-subscription orders at drinkolipop.com. You can also smash the link in the description and it'll apply the discount code automatically. So try them out today. Also available at Whole Foods, Target, wherever you get those, those groceries, keep an eye out for Olipop. All right, David, let's kick it off with some world cross-country talk because that started, it was the first thing that popped up on Friday night, 11.30 p.m. I did not stay up. It's way past my bedtime. Mm-hmm. So I had the pleasure of waking up in the morning to learn that, uh who was it? Kenya's Beatrice Chibko, uh, Chibet uh, ended up winning the women's race after Letesanet Gide uh, stumbled with like 30 meters to go in the finish line. It was... A brutal video to watch, but she got you know the the hardest part was that she got some help from other members of the Ethiopian uh, Federation to help her get back on her feet, and she crossed the finish line. I believe it was in third, but then got disqualified, uh, so she didn't show up in the race, cost the Ethiopian team uh, the title. Kenya ends up taking it. Uh, then on the men's side, we had the Ugandan cross country team. Really leading the charge with Jacob Kiblimo taking the win in 29-17. Joshua Cheptegei also on the podium in third place. Berhiru Aragawi of Ethiopia was in second place, but it was Kenya that ended up taking the men's team title. Really strong showing um, by the U.S. juniors team, not necessarily the uh, U.S. senior team. What we ended up there was a fifth place showing on the women's side and a sixth place Uh, showing on the men's side, so maybe not the best day on a tough, hot course, but uh, I think there was plenty to be proud of with the junior teams because they both ended up with bronze medals on the boy's side. Leo Young finished 16th overall, three of the guys were in, or four of the guys were in the top 25, and then on on the girl's side. It was Ellie Shea leading the charge with a 10th place finish, but Irene Riggs and Carrie Beloga ended up in the top 15 as well. It was the first medal ever for Team USA's U-20 women at the World uh, Cross-Country Championships. And for the boys, it was their first medal since 1982. So that was, uh, I guess, also in the mixed relay it was Kenya who ended up taking the win, but the Australian team Jess Jess Hall had ended up having like the strongest leg of of everyone, which was cool to see. Helped Australia walk away with a bronze medal, so it was pretty thrilling. David, what did you make of the World Cross Country Championships?
1: Yeah. I mean, so my first takeaway is that uh, running a trials in the mixed relay definitely pays off because the, you know, track credentials of of the Kenyan team that won were were definitely, you know, not as impressive as as some of the other uh, folks in the race. But they just honestly just looked so much more comfortable out there. And they had run a, a trials for the mixed relay at their, uh, you know, selection process for the overall world team. And it's a good reminder that, you know, like track is not cross country, it's two different sports and, and it really paid off for them in terms of like their ability to navigate that, like pretty tricky course out there. The other big takeaway, I will say, I I did stay up to watch the mixed relay. And then I watched the rest of the, the races the next morning. But as Kyle mentioned in, in the lap count yesterday, you know, uh, the broadcast, was fantastic. We spent a lot of time, you know, complaining about broadcasts, what we want to see, what we don't want to see. Like, I think that the broadcast of World Cross was the, pretty much the gold standard for a great cross-country broadcast. Like, they cut you know to overhead shots they were really good at showing distance in between um you know relative people on the course they kept you in the loop on where on the course the runners were at they were knowledgeable they were paying attention to more than just the folks um at the front of the race it was it was definitely just like such a pleasure to see like a you know a really well produced and and well broadcast race so you know kudos to that whole team um for making that happen and you know uh i mean being able to watch it on peacock is you know pretty easy pretty uh pretty uh accessible for most people if you're if you're a parks and rec fan or an office fan <laughs> as well so um yeah definitely like major major kudos for for the folks setting that up because you know it and really for once I feel like I had I had no critiques uh, for, for the quality of the broadcast. So so that's gotta, you know, be worth mentioning as well.
0: I am a little disappointed that we didn't get anyone tweeting us videos of like World Cross coming on at a bar. I I guess what what we didn't really (laughs) think through was that like it it was on Peacock. And so you would bank on the bar to have it and then or at least be able to stream your phone and cast it onto a bar screen. It just sounded like a lot of work. So unfortunately, that wasn't the case um, this time around. So that was World Cross. And I think the, the most fun part to look forward to from here is that you know you a lot of these stars starting to focus on their track season, but the Ugandan cross country team headed by Jacob Kiblimo, the world record holder in the half marathon and Joshua chapter guy, those two guys will be going head to head at the NYC half in just a couple weeks. So that's something very exciting on the horizon coming to the big apples. So, um, I'm particularly excited by that. They just announced those fields, uh, today, which are looking pretty strong, um, also in that race will be Galen Rupp, Edward Cesarex, and Barry Teferi, Helen O'Beary, Molly Huddle, Des Linden, uh, Elish McCoglin, uh, Carolina Grovedal, Tasha Wodak, and, and the list goes on and on. So NYC half like, you know, some people treat it as a tune-up for something like Boston or London, but, uh, we could be in for some really quality racing there because we've seen it be fast and we've seen it be, um, tactical. So keep an eye out. We'll preview that as it gets closer. All yeah, right, let's and, move. You know,
1: oh. I, I was just gonna say between guys like Galen Rupp, uh, you know, Tashomi Mecklen and, and and even someone like Ben True, that that US half record's getting real dusty up there on the shelf, and and it, you know, with guys like the Ugandans to push the pace early, um, it, like they're gonna be on record watch for sure.
0: You just have to wonder if Galen Rupp is healthy again. I know he's not signed up for a spring marathon, to my knowledge, but. Um yeah, I mean, it's just that's been the biggest question mark with him. And then I guess after that, then you can start to think of uh, some record talks. All right. Let's move to u s. indoor championships, even though a lot of the top stars opted not to compete because there was no world championship team to make, and there was so much else going on with World Cross, with, you know, a, a outdoor track season on the horizon, Milrose behind us. The meet was kind of saved by a lot of the top American women. It was highlighted by American records in the pentathlon by Anna Hall, American record in the women's 60 by Aaliyah Hobbs, the weight throw world record by Deanna Price. We were also treated to some thrilling finishes in the women's 1500 meters with Nikki Hiltz outkicking Sage to Klecker with Val Constein just barely, uh, edging out, uh, Whitney Morgan and then we also had a little bit of controversy in the men's 1500 as Josh Thompson took the win but was then disqualified for impeding on the final turn so all in all David what stood out to you as the most impressive performance of the weekend
1: well you know it's got to be Deanna Price's world record for me um you know big throws guy Technic big throws guy, you know it. Um, technically, the w- World Athletics doesn't consider the weight throw to be an official event, but we, as as Kyle likes to say, we're team world record here, so uh, we're we're counting it. We're making the graphic. Um, shout out to uh, Harley Bassett, our our graphics guru, because she had uh plenty of work to do this weekend with all the the folks setting uh, setting records. Um, but it's not just impressive in that you know obviously she became the first woman to throw over 26 meters um that's you know super groundbreaking and and she improved the the world record by such a good big margin she actually broke it twice in her series but just looking at how far she's come you know uh, her her pb is is 2471 from january 2020 so you know it's a couple years old now and and she had surgery in 2021 she had long covid uh right before worlds last year and you know she definitely did not you know have an easy path to the comeback and so particularly given the fact that she you know won worlds in in the hammer throw in in 2019 um it'll be great to see her you know come down uh and and really kind of reannounce her return uh this outdoor season for sure
0: it's funny you brought up being on uh the, the graphics and the uh american and world record watch we're recording this as the world indoor tour meet in madrid is taking place and so in just a couple moments like we might uh just oh, yeah, we're gonna get panic. some
1: live reactions from uh, yeah because uh, yara is on the track any second.
0: Uh, So it could, we could see something special go down, but all right, I'll bring it back to us indoor championships as I watch this from the corner of my eye. So what stood (laughs) out as the biggest performance for me, um, Anna hall, I, I, I think just winning the two titles, it's very clear just kind of by the disappointment that she had right after, uh, the 800 in the pentathlon that she was very disappointed to come so close to the world record and just fall short. Uh, and I think that's the biggest thing that I like about Anna Hall is just that she's so young and at the same time, so driven to already be shooting for these records. And so, uh, I also was impressed by the fact that. All throughout this indoor season, she's been lining up with specialists in the event, like at the, in the 60-meter uh, hurdles at the Milrose Games. And each time out, she's being served a slice of humble pie to be reminded of like, oh, this is what the specialists, how good the specialists are, but she can still hold her own. And then when the pressure comes off, which is interesting like to think that the pressure comes off at a US indoor championship, uh, she's able to... Showcase that and then notched a couple personal bests in, in 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 events uh at the championships. I think it's just kind of like you know, the limelight and the spotlight gets a little bit uh dimmer at the US championships for the pentathlon. Not as many eyeballs, not as much of crowd noise and pressure, but she still kind of delivered when that moment uh came up on her. And so on top of that. Then, just you know, she comes back and blazes to the four hundred meter title. Uh, I'm the biggest thing I think I took away from that is that if there's any uh, recovery tool companies out there, <laughs> get in touch with Anna Hall's agent, Paul Doyle. Sort something out. She's someone you want to have on your roster just because, like she's she nailed it. I mean, like to do those events in the for the pentathlon and then to come back and win the four hundred. Um, was very impressive. So I'm excited for what she can put together during, uh, the outdoor season. And in particular, I remember at the very beginning of the year on her Instagram story, she posted a mood board that she'd put together. And in it, it, like I, I, I zoomed in to make sure I was seeing this, right. It said 8,000 points. So I'm, uh, she's got oh, that baby. on her mind. <laughs> I'm excited to see what she can put together, uh, during the outdoor season. So Anna Hall was my MVP and it's kind of, the only reason I picked Anna Hall is because just a couple of weeks ago, I was already saying in my buy or sell segment, I'm buying Aaliyah Hobbs and I was proven right when she won, uh, and broke the American record. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. I, you were moved by the photos that Kevin Morris captured from that race.
1: Oh man. And, and, you know, talk about someone who has just had like a long journey of it. You know, she, she hadn't set a personal best in the uh, 60 meter before uh, since 2018 Um, coming into this season. uh, There's a fantastic piece about um, her, her adoption and motherhood journey on a spikes magazine that everyone should read and check out just like, you know, somebody who, who maybe isn't like super like bombastic out there on social media, like, you know, super like overt with, with her emotions, but to see her, you know, get that title and that record and, and, you know, really break down on the track after it was, it was really special. Um, and you know, this is a good segue, you know, we're talking about athletes to watch outdoors. Uh, I was looking up, I was doing a little work, um, it's hard you know she's ahead of some some big names uh on that 60 meter all-time list now that, that she's at number two um but the the folks right around her were all sort of uh sprinters in the 90s when they you know raced indoor a lot more and so kind of converting your your indoor 60 to your outdoor 100 is is a little bit of an easier uh factor. And you know they're all uh you know, Privalova, the the woman who's ahead of her, it has a 1077 PB, uh, Marion Jones, 1065, Merlene Audi, uh, 1074. So, you know, she's already putting up, you know, essentially kind of a 107 caliber um, performance. And and I think people forget in the, you know, the era of Elaine Thompson, Shelley Ann, Fraser Price greatness, you know, um, only one American has, has run under 1080 since 2019, and that's Shakari Richardson. And so, you know, if Aaliyah Hobbs is, is coming, you know, moving this uh, momentum into the outdoor season, you know, already in kind of like a, a 10-7 type shape and and only building from there, you know, the sky is the limit. And and these, you know, Jamaican sweeps or seeing at Worlds and, and the medals is, is not going to be so taken for granted anymore if, uh, if Aaliyah Hobbs has anything to say about it.
0: Yeah, Aaliyah Hobbs is Team USA's best bet to break up the uh, Jamaican sweep. And I think she can do it. Uh, there's it, it's everything, the, the story, the time she's backing it up. Like she is the person that, you know, Americans should be rooting for this upcoming outdoor season. All right. Uh, for me, athlete to watch from based off of the indoor championships for outdoor season, I think I'm going to go here with Nikki Hiltz because they are entering your number two under coach Mike Smith. That's around that time that, you know, once you're settled into uh, a new coaching system, you start to reap a little bit of the benefits. Nikki uh, has been a finalist in the 1500 meters at USA's outdoors every year since 2017. So that consistency has been there over time. Made the team in 2019, ran their personal best of 401 in the semifinal, then went on to compete in the final in Doha. So they've been knocking on the door uh, of sub four for a while now. I think it's, you know, very easy to forget some of these post USA's performances when someone doesn't make a team. All eyes are, of course, on the world championships. And Nikki did end up running 424, no 421 at the Sir Walter Myler last year. And that was no joke. I think that you know that sub four is coming because four twenty four at the Milrose Games just a couple weeks ago was their third fastest mile ever. So watch out for Nikki Hiltz this outdoor season.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know we we talked about her a little bit already, but the other person I would shout out is just Val Constein. You know, I think, um, folks kind of remember, um, you know, uh, that the twenty twenty one uh, trial steeple and they remember, oh, uh, you know, uh, Leo Connor fell and, and Colleen Quigley was coming back from injury. And, and I think that there was some, you know, sentiment at the time that like Val making the team, uh, was, was something of a, of a fluke. And then, you know, I think with, with the time she ran and, and, you know, her performance, um, you know, at the Olympics, I, I, I think, um, you know, really put that to rest, but just keeping in mind, like how, much of a jump she's made in the flat events. Um, you know, someone, I think it was Dan Lowe pointed out that, that her, uh, time 848 from, uh, USA converts down to a sea level 835, which is, you know, what, what people like Ellie Hennis and, and Elise Cranny were running in Milrose a couple of weeks ago. So these like, you know, steeplechase specialists running these really competitive flat 3k times, um, it it says something about where she's going this outdoor season, and you know I think it's not just you know you want to talk sponsor watch like let's let somebody get this girl to you know retire the the Colorado uniform and and put on uh, a sponsors kit, but but also just like and setting the scene for um, what to look out for uh, for for the outdoor season, you know. She's, she's made a jump. It's clear. And, and whether that jump comes in the steeple as well, I think it's more likely than not.
0: So just to close the loop on, uh, yard and Goose, cause that race just ended. I just uh,
1: saw it too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no American record three thirty three seventy one 71 for the win over Mohammed Katir. grant Fisher, I think finished a little further back, uh, yards looking great. And so, um, I wonder uh, where Yakov was and what he's going to think of this one, because I think, uh, yeah, uh, like we said, Aliyah Hobbs best bet for, um, you know, to break up the Jamaican sweep. I think Yared is uh, America's best bet to beat Yakov as of right now. Yeah. I
1: mean, Khatir was the, what, the silver medalist at yeah.
0: 1500
1: um, last year. And, and he took him down, you know, from the looks of it pretty decisively, like uh, uh, over almost a whole full second um Grand Fisher and 334.99 which you know for a guy who we think of as a 10K guy and especially you know he did he did kind of look a little flat um in in that first year of race you know that's obviously a great sign um that he's you know, moving in the right direction, and you know, again, talking about talking about winning chances. You know, you're gonna be able to. You got to need to be able to kick with the big boys if you're gonna, you know, start racking up hardware in the in the 5k, 10k. So, so showing you know 3:34 indoor speed uh, is definitely gonna only
0: help him moving forward into the the outdoor season. So we didn't touch it on it in the intro, but you got a little bit of uh, Madrid into this podcast. <laughs> We talk a lot about high-level performance and training for running on the Sidious mac podcast, but I wanna take a second to talk to you about something equally important to performing your best, and that is recovery. This is something I've honed in on over the years, and I can't stress it enough, you gotta take the time to recover. One simple recovery trick is to make sure that you're putting on the right footwear after your run because your feet have taken a beating, whether you're racing or you're training. And a brand that Kyle and I discovered last fall is Velus Active Recovery Footwear. They're designed to specifically help you restore, revive, and re-energize before and after you train. Velus has worked with competitive athletes in the medical industry to create what they call tri-motion underfoot technology that cushions, supports, and flexes in all the right spots. It is engineered to let your feet and legs heal faster after you train these shoes are so lightweight i've been wearing them for a while now and i absolutely love them i've got them on right now while i'm recording this podcast i bring them with me to the track and to long runs this spring velas is launching two new styles to their recovery mix the hoya slide with an adjustable upper for a custom fit that can also work with or without socks they've also got the skyline coming which is a full lace-up recovery shoe that you can wear all day every day to and from the track Vellis Active Recovery Footwear should be in your footwear mix and part of your plan to perform and train at your best. Kyle and I can't wait to get our hands on these new styles. This new performance brand that everyone's talking about is bringing the absolute best and most technical recovery footwear on the market. Check out Vellus Footwear at vellusfootwear.com. That's spelled V-E-L-O-U-S Footwear, and enjoy a 20% discount by entering code SidiousMag20. Make sure that the capital letters are C and M in that code. Check them out, vellusfootwear.com. All right, so as we recap more things that took place this past weekend, Ryan Krauser. I did not think that we'd be talking about the Simplo uh, games in Idaho on this podcast, but two-time Olympic champion Ryan Krauser.
1: Let me tell you, those live results were hard to find.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He launched the farthest shot put throw in history, 23.38 meters. That's 76 feet, 8.5 inches Uh, That's farther than the previous world indoor record and farther than the world outdoor record from 2021, which is 2337. So my favorite part of this whole thing is that he did it in front of a high school crowd. I think we've mentioned it in the past before about just how we should get creative. I think of showcasing the elite athletes at high school events, whether that is at a high school national championship, one of the many, uh, or at, uh, the state championships. We saw when Roshin Willis ran, whatever it was, two Oh one, two flat at the Wisconsin high school state championship. There were thousands and thousands of people in the stands. Yes. Some of those people are the athletes competing and their families, but that's a great crowd. And so what was cool about this performance was that with a stadium full of high school kids and their parents and their coaches, now they're able to walk away thinking one being able to say that they saw a world record happen Two, they now know who ryan krauser is and how impressive it was and they they have that context they probably know what the kid who won the state championship or whatever that that meet in particular they won that event as a high schooler, what that distance was versus what a, a professional does um so you know i think that there's it's an easy way to educate the younger generation and i think i've heard some buzz that there's going to be a elite four by eight uh, record attempt or something like that, or showcase at the New York state championship with empire elite. And I think like maybe Atlanta track club and or district track club that might be happening. It's a really tough record, but again, like it brings the high school athletes closer to the professional ranks and So you've got all these high school kids wowed by Krauser and they could say that they were there for a world record. So mission accomplished. Yes. I mean, I'm sure there's a a population of people thinking that it was dumb that Krauser did this at a high school meet and not at the U S championships, but I'm looking at the pluses here, positive vibes only here.
1: I'm gonna say this is uh, definitely some talking out of both sides of our mouths about the the professionals competing in professional meets, but yeah, right. We can, uh, now we, we have can focus on the bright side for be now. At you know? high <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's okay, and in like an exhibition standpoint, like and for like a standalone event, maybe like. The time trials like and stuff like do that at a high school event or whatever it is, maybe the off distance stuff like the hypothetical stuff can be at a high school event. I don't know, like I'm just spitballing here. I think it is a plus that we have the occasionally pros front row seats again, like for the high schoolers. So. And I
1: think it's, you know, maybe it's not every meet, but, you know, the Penn Relays have, have really, you know, capitalized on that model in the past really successfully. It, it brings a built-in crowd to your, you know, packed stadium um, uh, uh, fans and that's always good. And, you know, I think, yeah, maybe not have, you know, every Diamond League meet has to happen at a, a high school in Idaho, but, you know, for special occasions, for sure. And and particularly, I think someone would say he he competed at that you know, meet a couple times in high school, like that sort of homecoming angle. Like that's that's really fun, and and I think people appreciate that.
0: We are also supported by New Balance. It's been a few weeks since I got my pair, but now I've got my review of the Fuel Cell Supercomp Elite Version Three. It's New Balance's latest carbon-plated racing shoe. And if you've watched enough of my Instagram stories, you'll notice that my favorite everyday mileage kicks have been the Fuel Cell Supercomp Trainer. So this is the perfect level up in my rotation for race day. Right from the moment that I stepped into the Supercomp Elite, it was a nice snug fit with its breathable upper, which is what you want for race day. The Fuel Cell Foam, which they use across multiple models, had the softest, bounciest, and most energetic ride that I've experienced in all of their shoes the Energy R Carbon Plate, which you can see from the bottom of the shoe does its part in maximizing the efficiency. You just have to consider this one for your next major race. And here's a little quick pro tip from me. The white and victory blue colorway looks awesome and it's the same style we've been seeing all of their pros, including American record holder in the half marathon and marathon Emily Sisson wearing. Get your pair of the Fuel Cell Supercomp Elite Version 3 at NewBalance.com today. We're so happy to have New Balance as a partner on the podcast and can't wait to be back at the track at New Balance in March for New Balance Nationals Indoor. The other world record that fell this past weekend was the longest-standing track world record. Femke Boll broke a 41-year-old record when she went 49.26 at the Dutch Indoor Championships. Previous world record was... Held by the Czech Republic's Jermila Krachovilova, uh, which was 49.59 from March 1982. The outdoor world record, just for context, is 47.6 by Marita Koch. Now, I guess Femke we're we're riding a Femke high because we saw her at New Balance Grand Prix, and we got that yeah, chance to hang out with now. her. We're best friends. Uh, third fastest woman in history in the 400 hurdles last year took silver behind Sydney McLaughlin, was only behind her by point, uh, 1.59 seconds, which is a lot in the 400 hurdles. But there's been quite a bit of buzz online over the past couple of days, just trying to weigh this performance versus, you know, an outdoor 400 or Sydney split in the four by four. What has been what is more impressive? And I got to say, 49.26 like we are now legitimately have you know some something to back up the conversation around can femka close the gap on sydney sydney's still obviously the favorite in the 400 hurdles but i wouldn't say totally unbeatable
1: um also just a little shout out here uh when this episode drops happy birthday femka um, <laughs> okay. it's uh it's her golden birthday 23 on the 23rd in 2023 so uh, you know, if you're starting your birthday by listening to the Sidious Mad podcast, which I feel like there's probably like an 85-90% chance you are, um, you know, I hope you have a great day. Uh, let us know your address. We'll send you some Olipop, um, some Sidious Mag merch. But, you know, I, if the world record wasn't enough to celebrate, I hope you you are enjoying your birthday as well. Um, and now that we have that out of the way I will say uh a, a lot of hot takes the the consensus seems to be that uh that Sydney's split from uh, uh worlds was maybe a little faster um I think they're just about dead even I think a 49 nine in in uh a relay split and uh 492 indoors you know particularly I mean femka is almost six feet tall like she is not exactly somebody who's like custom built for like tight indoor turns so you know maybe it's just me playing into the rivalry is it all but I think that those both you know that those both convert to roughly in my mind you know a 48 mid uh you know open outdoor 400 and so when you think about like throwing down you know maybe maybe you give Sydney the edge over hurdles um just because like her her technique is just so flawless but you know in terms of just pure speed in, in a flat race I feel like they are they are neck and neck and, you know, if there's any way to get those, those two to, you know, race each other head to head as much as possible over the next couple of months, like, please make it happen.
0: Yeah. Uh, you really got to break the bank in order to make that happen, I think. And yeah,
1: but <laughs> we'll start a GoFundMe.
0: <laughs> well, the thing is too, is sort of like the reason we, we have a couple question marks over just like how much this means is because we still don't, we just don't have like an all out four hundred on the record for reference for Sydney. And yes, Bobby Kersey, a couple of weeks ago on the Buy or Sell segment, I said, I'm buying Bobby Kersey, saying that, you know, Sydney and a thing are going to be running and racing a bit more and that they're going to attack that 400 world record. And I hope to see it. I mean, there's still nothing on the calendar that says like, this is where it's going to go down and happen, you know, honestly, like for just free marketing idea out there, LA Grand Prix, like if you really want to blow this thing up, like, do it there like uh it's it's close to home it's in a big uh, major city why not attack it there i mean like i guess we'll have to see how it fits into just like the overall plan with budapest like being the the big thing to circle on the calendar honestly like just thinking how this thing could transcend just the track bubble that would be the place to do it i don't know i mean that's just me just casting out the idea but to the point you know
1: Oh, I mean, obviously if you, if you get a thing in Sydney in the same race, like that's fantastic. But, but even if you don't have that, like having someone like Femca in the race, who's going to push you, you know, uh, one of the things that was really clear from the race this weekend was that, you know, Femca really benefited from having uh Lika Claver, uh, on her inside and, and having to beat her to, to that second turn was the, you know, that really kind of made her get out fast enough to get that record. So, you know, all the more reason to have people, you know, race head to head, even if you, you know, you don't want anyone to take a, a little shine off your star like you're gonna need you're gonna need a little help 47 is no joke and so I, I think getting everybody together you know that's how we've seen the the 400 hurdles records go down Is it's having that pressure um really really push Sydney to to incredible new heights so all the more reason bring him bring him here let's all head to la and uh, and watch this go down
0: Uh Interesting post that we put up on the lap count Instagram was just kind of forget the hurdles are you taking 49.26 on a 200 meter track from blocks or 47.91 with a running start and the comment section is pretty split here Brenna Detra I, uh, put a who's a professional and runs the 800 said well when well, in a split, you're less, you're running less distance than a true 400, so I'd have to say Femke's open 400 indoors with tight turns this early in the season is faster. I also had someone else uh, comment in saying, the rolling start makes such a difference. The world record for men in the 30 meters is 3.86. There must be a typo. Oh, There's going to
1: be a lot of math here.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah so whatever that being said sydney's quicker over flat 400 than than femka pretty sure but that's the thing like no one actually knows for certain until we actually get this sort of race um but a lot of people are taking the the relay split i guess like it's just flashier on paper but there is some validity and weight to Femke's uh race and i'm glad that we got this during the indoor season again i think as kyle wrote in the lap count Enough with the talk that indoors doesn't matter, indoors doesn't count. This is a great indicative thing for us to be able to you know, keep this conversation going over the next couple of months until we get that head-to-head in Budapest, which is probably going to be the next time we see Sydney versus Femke if we're being real here. Um, All right, next topic, Fred Curley signs with ASICS. The world champion and Olympic medalist Fred Curley announced that he has signed with ASICS He's coming off an incredible season where we uh, saw him lead the U S sweep of the men's, uh, 100 meters at the world championships. And now he's going to be rocking new spikes, new kit, and he'll be debuting on Thursday in Australia with the, uh, with a 200 meter race in Melbourne. So we were kind of speculating and we had heard buzz over the last couple of weeks that when Fred was signing, it was not going to be with Nike. This is just kind of like us in the city smack group chat, just kind of the Intel that we share with each other. We knew it wasn't going to be Nike saying. and that it was going to be someone we didn't expect. And now this, I wouldn't say is totally unexpected because Asics does have some sprinters, including Joseph Fonboulet, uh, who signed last year after the world championships. So, uh, I like this. It's something different. It shows Asics is very invested in into trying uh, something new with the sprints. Their spikes must be good. Fred is not going to downgrade from Nike spikes to something that he doesn't trust. So the product must be good. Asics is already sponsoring World Athletics, and and their you know logo and stuff was pla- plastered all over the World Championships. So this is this is cool because I guess for them they invest so much in the world championships and stuff that I think like, this is also a little subtle way to market yourself when the Olympics roll around. And ASICS is not like a major sponsor of the Olympics, but if you put your spikes on the fastest man, and someone who could possibly win the gold medal there, there, there's going to be some good exposure. So um, I'm very interested to see how this is going to play out. And my other big takeaway from this is that this really does open up some doors for Fred Curley to cash in on just the star power that he deserves. Like the way we think of Fred in the track and field world is that he's a man that is going to, Achieve what he sets his mind out to do. And he's somewhat mysterious. He tweets random things out (laughs) like greatness with no further context, cracks a couple jokes and some soft smiles during the mix zone. After he actually gets the job done, shows up to the major races and delivers. He's got so much potential to, you know, earn things. There's talk of a sunglasses sponsorship or a really nice watch sponsorship. And, uh so Fred, this is his chance to really cash in on being the the star that he is. I, I just listened to an interview that he did a couple days ago with an Australian radio station because I'll consume any sort of fred curly <laughs> content that is out there and they asked him like who his inspiration in track is and obviously for him he said usain bolt the two of them share an agent and i think they've you know traded comments and you know tweets at each other on social media and then he starts saying is like investment
1: tips yeah too.
0: <laughs> and then on the the second uh he was like he starts off saying and number two he's like actually wait there is no number two and so it's only been bolt for him and and fred is Got a good chance here of, you know, filling those shoes as, you know, a uh, track and field star that is not, you know, struggling to to make money. The buzz about this contract is obviously that it's huge and deservedly so.
1: And I think, you know, it's just great for the sport to have that competition. You know, when you you envision uh, USA's or the pre-classic, you know, anytime these heavy hitters are are lining up together, you know between Lyles Coleman Brummel and Curly you now got four different brands that are you know all in on their guy and the the men's hundred and then you throw in you know Jacobs in an in international races with Puma you know there's so much you know so much that that brands can do to leverage you know their stars into promoting their sport you know it, it becomes sort of a uh you know, reinforcing pattern of, you know, we're promoting the sponsor, the sponsors promoting the races and, you know, having that sort of healthy, you know, uh, uh, competition a- among those big brands, I think is really good. Um, the one thing, you know, I've got to mention just as important, uh, ASICS athletes have been very, you know, uh, supportive of, raising money for Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh, we've gotten Johnny Gregoric doing his blue jeans smile. Uh, a couple of years ago, we had Emma Bates doing her blue jeans 10K. Fred, I'm throwing out the challenge right now. Next April, we want to see a blue jeans 100, baby. Let's see the world record in the blue jeans 100 meters. Uh, I, I don't know what that is, but I'm sure that it is well within your reach. So you got a couple months to train up now. It's February, but, you know, uh, or is it May? I don't remember which May. month it, May, yeah. So May, let's get let's get that blue jeans hundred. Let's raise some money for, for mental health services and awareness. Um that's the ASICs way. So now that you're an ASICs boy, uh, it seems like you got your work cut out for you.
0: Sub ten in blue jeans. You Ooh, think? That'd be crazy. <laughs> I think that'd you could do nuts. it, right? <laughs> yeah, they don't I... be.
1: Very light. I don't know. Uh, We'll we'll have to consult with some of the sprint experts as to as to what we think he could run. I would love to see it. I mean, mean, that would be you know whatever Fred sets his mind to, he's able to do. So if he puts, if if we hear him tweet uh, like sub ten (laughs) jeans hashtag uh, sub ten
0: jeans, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Uh, All right, this is the perfect transition to move to our buy or sell segment. I'd love to buy uh, the. Blue Gene Hundred. Ah, uh, that's a that's a great concept. <laughs> but uh, similarly, I guess I'll stay in the hundred. Fred's event because he's gonna have some company. I'm buying Michael Norman running the hundred meters this year. Um, I just put out a podcast episode with him earlier in the week, just a couple of days ago. He uh, an interview was published with NBC where he talks about how he's shifting his focus to run the hundred meters this year before he does try and defend his. Uh, 400 meter gold medal at the World Championships in Budapest. So, I mean, really, he's this makes sense to me. Like, there are some people out there who think, like, well, he's got no chance. Like, the U.S. just swept the 100 with Fred, with Trayvon, with Marvin, and you've got Noah Lyles also out there trying to achieve the double. Christian Coleman is also a factor that people, I think, constantly uh, overlook. But you know, Michael Norman has already run nine nine, eight, I believe in the hundred eighty
1: six. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and this is, it's not like no risk because there's obviously a risk in possibly getting injured, but you know, he's in order. I think he's looked at it before that uh, the way he said it to me was like, the only person who can call themselves the fastest man in the world is uh, the winner of the hundred. And he, Wants that title someday. Uh, this move is being called the Fred Curley move because Fred did it successfully. Uh, it took some time after you know he came close with a silver medal at the Olympics in 2021. Then it, you know, that was his first full year running the 100. Then in the second year with that 100 meter focus, he wins worlds last year. I, I like it. Um, I don't necessarily think that he's losing anything from it you know he's gets to be a bit more versatile a little bit more marketable the other when i think uh michael johnson pointed it out on twitter that in order to uh run you know the people who run the 400 well in the past someone like allison felix on the women's side has been able to do and have success in both the 100 and the 400 michael johnson himself is another person like you if this is successful, he's going to be more marketable, more marketable, you know, is is great for the sport. He's going to get more eyeballs and it just, you know, he's going to be 30 years old at the 2028 Olympics. This who knows. Could could Michael Norman be a 100-meter star by then? I don't know, but this is our first experiment to try and get there.
1: Yeah, and we're uh you know this embarrassment of riches we're getting in in the 100 you know somebody's going to have to like take up the hurdles or or move to the 400 or something but um either way uh it, you know it'll just be talk about hard teams to make man <laughs> like making making the relay pool let alone the individual 100 is is going to be uh harder than ever before um, but but while you're while you're buying uh, Mike Norman in the hundred, I'm going the whole other end of the distance spectrum and I'm buying Edna Kiplagat and Pumas. Okay. Uh, the news just came in this morning that that she's signing with uh, uh, Puma. And, you know, it's it's not often that a 43 a, a year old signing deal, you know, uh, is is such big news, but she is truly the ageless wonder. Um, and I just can't wait to see, you know, the new kit, like the new vibe, obviously, you know, just such a great, just personal story as well. So, uh, I'm very excited to see, to see Edna and Puma come, come Boston marathon weekend.
0: That's a good one. Uh, yeah, I was just trying to think like, what's the last major sports contract that, uh, we got excited over, uh, 40, uh three-year-old. And I was like, you know what? It could probably be just like Tom Brady signing with uh, whoever it might've been. Oh, it was the, probably the Buccaneers at that point. Uh, that's probably like the last major 40 plus year old signing that sports fans got excited about. Um, <laughs> all right. What are you selling, David?
1: Oof. Uh, not to loop all the way back around to USAs, but I'm selling uh, rule One Sixty Three Point <laughs> Four of the, of the USATF rule book. Um, you know, we didn't talk much about this in our recap, but but Josh Thompson you got hosed uh, easily, uh, you know, one, he was like, I was, you know, via the city of Twitter, like uh, almost giving him a little shit because uh, he really was like easing up at the line in the those last 10, 15 meters. But, um, you know won the the 1500 and then, you know, several hours later from, from the looks of it, you know, got DQ'd um, from, from what he was saying, you know, it sounded like there wasn't exactly the right, uh, whether he didn't have the time or, or, you know, opportunity or wasn't made aware um, of his ability to appeal for whatever reason, you know, he was, he was just informed and and there was no kind of recourse from that. Um, uh, You know, we don't need to turn, indoor races into rugby matches but like particularly you know even compared with outdoor the the contact has just always been you know a natural component of the races and you know if you look at the reading um the 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 wording of the rule itself they talk about you know considering factors like the severity and, and resulting consequences you can rewatch the the replay and decide for yourself, you know, how severe the the contact was. Like you can barely, I like couldn't even tell what they were DQing him for. But I think the resulting consequences piece, like if it's, if the consequence is like someone gets bumped from the prelims into the semis, like whatever, who cares? But like, there's gotta be a really high burden of proof for like stripping someone's US title away. And I, I can't in a million years envision that they cleared that with, you know, what, whatever footage they were reviewing, um, after the fact, you know, I think sure. You want to keep it fair. You know, you don't, you, you want to give people the ability to, you know, file protests and appeals if, if it's, you know, um, something where, where someone got a short end of the stick, but like to, to invalidate the winner of a national championship, I think like it has to be pretty egregious and, and nothing in in that race was to my perspective, you know, worth a dq let alone a dq of such a you know high caliber for sure
0: mac fleet was up in arms if if you look at his his twitter feed and and we were you know subject to many texts from mac which is him just kind of you know doing x's and o's and like drawing on you know the video and stuff uh i wish we could show you all that but that footage is kind of uh yeah we were not allowed to post it. so uh we could really break it down for you in detail, but Mac was uh not too happy about this one. and what was your other uh kind of hot take is that you you don't think that we should be able to start another of the next event at a U.S championship or at a championship until the results go final for, that race was it you that was thinking that, that? wasn't me
1: that said that I, I I got some questions about the TV window <laughs> I know that's what I was gonna say it was like with, but because like if yeah. you think
0: about it like a play is under review in football and it's like you're not gonna keep the game going until like uh until that's finalized a lot of people tuned out of the broadcast and now they're just going about the rest of their day thinking that Josh Thompson is the U.S. 1500 meter champion and it's not that's Sam Prakel and um. That, unless they're keeping up with the news and they're following Sidious Mag on social media, then they may, may not know they're misinformed out there. And so, I did see someone as someone, I it was not you, but someone did say is that you're not you should not be allowed to you know move on with the meat until that result goes final, which it's like, I, uh, it could take a while,
1: <laughs> yeah. That wasn't me, but uh, uh, I got some questions about the logistics of that. The other, uh, slightly less, um, are uh. Unbiased way of looking at it is, uh, I'm pretty. Josh Thompson as a kid, right? Yeah. I think uh, I think if you're gonna take uh, six thousand dollars away from someone with uh, with children to support and you know diapers to buy and stuff like that, like I I think the the barrier has to be high for that. Like uh, let's uh, let's you know have like a dad a mom or dad clause in the in the DQ rules where it's like you know listen, they got mouths to feed, baby. <laughs>
0: I like that one. Um, all right. What am I selling? I am selling a studio apartment in Queens, uh, <laughs> New York, but I might just have to sell my home, everything uh, with, with a contract with, with Fred, Fred Curley's new contract with ASICS. I'm sure he's going to be buying a lot of land, investing in land, <laughs> investing in land. Uh, you, you should all check for yourselves. He might've already bought your house to wherever you might be sitting. I, I, I'm pretty sure he's bought everyone's place at this point. So, selling land to Fred Curley. Fred, if you're listening, you got to get your real estate
1: license and and start getting commission for Fred's uh, land investments. That's, uh, that's the move.
0: Yeah, Fred Curley, get in touch with Pat Price. Pat Price will take care of uh, of mortgages and all that stuff for you. Uh, yeah, so that does it, I guess. Inside Sidious Mag, what else we got? Uh, we had an interview with Mike Norman on this podcast feed earlier in the week. Uh, I believe we're going to have an episode of more than running with Dana coming out fairly soon uh, this weekend. I think not too many of us will be hitting the road. Uh, David, you might be at the, I'm going to swing by chance, BU. Yeah, yeah.
1: See who I can talk to there. Um, See, see who's throwing down. We, we don't have a entry list uh, to my knowledge yet. So uh, stay
0: tuned on that, but. If you're uh, listening to this on Thursday afternoon, the Marie Plant meet in Australia already took place this morning, uh, but you can catch, I'm sure, a replay online. the birmingham The Birmingham World Indoor Tour meet is on Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern time. We'll have our Europe correspondent Alicia in the mix zone for that meet. You can watch. We're the meet. getting
1: a a women's world record attempt in the 1K from Laura Muir,
0: so that's right. Uh, that will be one to tune into as well. The USATF half marathon championships are going to be taking place in Fort Worth, Texas, but actually I will be at a different half marathon. I'll be in Atlanta for the Publix Atlanta half marathon on Sunday morning. And you can watch that one for free on the Atlanta track club YouTube channel. I'll be on the mic alongside Carrie Tollefson. And we're going to have Ali Feller from the alley on the run podcast as our sideline correspondent, uh, some deep fields. I think we've got, four guys, four Kenyan guys who've run under 60 minutes. We've got some half marathon, uh, world championship medalist in the women's race and should be good. I'm going to, you know, the fun part about a race like that is that it's, you know, an hour long and it, the broadcast is maybe 90 minutes to two hours. So it should be a good time. So if you wake up on Sunday morning and you're looking for some running to watch while you're having your coffee. Tune into the Atlanta Track Club YouTube channel and enjoy the races with me, Carrie, and Allie. So, I think that does it for this week's episode. Any parting thoughts, David? Uh, I
1: just, you know, I love track and field, and I uh, can't wait to watch more of it this weekend.
0: Yeah, a lot of people have been asking about the hats. I got to find a manufacturer uh, yeah, who will be able to go wide. Absolutely. Um,
1: happy birthday, Femka! Everyone, you know, go, go to her Instagram, tell her city has sent you, uh, and, uh, make, make her day. I'm sure she'll be waiting for it.